Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast, whether you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, however you listen. Thank you for taking the time to check out this podcast. So we've got a championship series set. We've got an MVP award to recap. We've got an offseason to look ahead to. So much happening in the SPHL as the season gets ready to wind itself down. And I, I think it's been a, a fun season overall. Obviously, if you're one of the two teams that are still left in it, then it's been significantly more fun of a season for you. And obviously, there are things to celebrate for several teams across the board. But obviously, everybody would really like to be Birmingham and Roanoke right now. And you know why not? Obviously, you want to be able to play for a championship, play for a President's Cup, and so a lot to recap from the past week and a lot to kind of dive into. And speaking of MVP, Justin McDonald will join the show before the end of this episode, so you'll hear from the SPHL MVP, Knoxville's captain, um, recapping his first season in Knoxville and kind of talking about you know his personal accomplishments, but obviously what ultimately happened in that first-round series against the Huntsville Havoc. So it's Roanoke and Birmingham in the SPHL finals. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good series. I think it's a very interesting matchup for a number of reasons. So for one thing, it means that we are going to have a first-time President's Cup champion. Uh, Birmingham and Roanoke, neither team has won the President's Cup in the SPHL before. Both teams have made one final. Birmingham made the finals back in 2019. Roanoke, of course, made it last year as an eight seed. Uh, Birmingham, again, doing it as a two seed like they did back in 2019. Now, here's what's also interesting. Each team defeated the team that beat them in their previous finals appearance in this year's semifinals. So as many of you probably remember, Roanoke lost to Peoria in the championship series last year. They beat Peoria in the semifinals this season in game three. Birmingham lost to Huntsville back in the 2019 final. They were actually swept and ended up defeating Huntsville in game three, which I think for to to kind of just talk about this all Alabama series for a second here. I think whenever you have two franchises in the same state, especially in the minor leagues and and naturally in in really any league in any sport, in-state rivalries are going to naturally form, especially when you have to see that team on a fairly frequent basis. And Birmingham and Huntsville do play each other pretty regularly just since the league generates its schedule by more of a geographical standpoint. And Huntsville is one of the founding members of the SPHL. They had hockey in Huntsville before the SPHL era. Uh, Birmingham had hockey before the SPHL era as well. Of course, the Bulls used to be an ECHL team. But specifically for the SPHL, for hockey at this level, Huntsville has been there since the beginning. 
Um, Huntsville and Knoxville are the only two teams to appear in every single season in the history of the SPHL. Fayetteville is the other city that has had a team during that time. Fayetteville technically missed out on the COVID-shortened year two seasons ago, but you're talking about the three charter members that are still remaining from the league's inception. Fayetteville, of course, has had a rebrand. They've had a logo change. They've had a, a name team change. They went from the Fire Ants to the Marksmen, but... The Havoc and the Ice Bears are the two teams that have appeared in every single season in the history of this league. And so if you're Birmingham, you come in, it's it's natural, I think, for, you know, whether it's it's Huntsville fans or it's, you know, just people around the league outside of the state of Alabama to be able to look at Huntsville as being kind of the measuring stick for Birmingham. And in a way, that that kind of becomes true because four years ago, Birmingham puts together 39 wins in a single season they finished second behind Peoria, so the second most wins in a single season in SPHL history, and they scrap and claw their way to the final, and then they get swept by Huntsville, who was seated lower than they were that season. And so it, it's kind of, uh, um, I think it's easy to look at that sort of rivalry. If you're Huntsville, you're feeling pretty good about it, obviously, because A, you just won a championship, but B, it's like, hey, Birmingham put this sort of season together, and, and Birmingham's first couple of seasons in the league, you know, they you know, like most expansion teams, they didn't have that elite success. They, they weren't winning 39 games right out of the cannon. And so for Huntsville, you're feeling pretty good about it if you're a Havoc fan because it's a matter of, hey, Birmingham put this sort of resume together this year. They won 39 games, and then we still swept them in the finals. You know, we, we own this in-state rivalry. And so for Birmingham to then get a little bit of payback, and obviously, it's going to mean more to Birmingham if it can finish the job against Roanoke in the finals, but to then, you know, have this hard-fought series and ultimately win in Game 3 in just a really massive game and what was an incredibly exciting series. It, it really is one of the best playoff series in the SPHL that I think we've seen in a long time, and that's not just recency bias, but when you look at it, the series went the distance for one thing— all three games came down to the wire. The first two went to overtime, and both teams legitimately, and not just because of the overtime games, but both teams legitimately can look at this series and say, we should have won it. If Huntsville had pulled out game three, Birmingham would be kicking itself. Because for one thing, it had a, a 2 nothing lead in game three, but it also had chances to sweep the series in game two in overtime. Huntsville probably felt like it should have won game one when it lost that overtime game. And so there's just so many opportunities where either team could have won a series. And, and that's not necessarily the case with every series in every game. Because you look at that Roanoke-Peoria series, Peoria kind of controlled game two. Roanoke got off to a really fast start in game three. And I know Peoria fought back and made it really close in the third period, but you're still talking about you know playing from a 3-0 deficit to start the second period, having to play from behind literally for the majority of the game. Because Roanoke scored 15 seconds in. So... It, obviously, it's still an exciting series. It's game three. It's a one-goal game there late in the third period. But you're still talking about a team that's having to play catch-up, whereas in this game three between Birmingham and Huntsville, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Birmingham's got the lead. Huntsville ties it. You know, Eight minutes into the third period, it's still tied before Stefan Brucato gets the game-winning goal. And then it's two empty netters that give us the final score that we have, but it really was a fantastic series between those two teams. It was a hard-fought series between Roanoke and Peoria. Game one came down to the wire. Roanoke's hanging on for dear life. Peoria gets chances to tie the game late. They're unable to. Uh, game two just goes Peoria's way. 
Um, you know, you have the own goal by Matt O'Day, just, you know, a couple of mistakes that allowed that game to maybe not be as close um, on the scoreboard as it really was in actuality. And then in game three, Roanoke just came out and dominated Peoria for 20 minutes. And, you know, you expect Peoria to make a fight and, and really try to, to push the situation. But look, when you're down three to nothing at the end of the first period, in a game three, you know, that's not, you know, more times than not, that's not a series that you're going to win. So uh, for Huntsville and Birmingham, I, I just think for Birmingham, for its organization, I'm sure it feels like that this was a really big measuring stick type performance for the organization. Now, obviously it's, it's like I said before, it's not going to mean as much if it doesn't result in a title, but I think sometimes you see that throughout history and, and even in the NHL where you win a playoff series against a rival team that has, a ton of historical success. It it feels like a big, you know, sig, uh, you know, point of significance in your organization's history. And I think that's the case here for Birmingham, especially since this is only their second playoff appearance. And so Birmingham is two for two in finals appearances. Uh, but you know, they, they've, they really struggled. And that's a big reason why Craig Simchuk was the coach of the year. And obviously he's got great support staff with Kevin Kerr being on that bench with him, but they put together a really good team during the off season. And, this is a team that went from finishing ninth and missing the playoffs entirely last year to, you know, if finishing fifth out of five teams the previous season, and it wasn't particularly close, to then being second in the league and really with two or three weeks left to go in the regular season, having a legitimate opportunity to chase down Peoria for the number one seed, beating Huntsville in the semifinals to then advance to your second championship series appearance. So for Birmingham, I just think it's a very significant postseason run, regardless of whether it ends in a championship or not. But I think, you, you obviously, it's always a big deal when you have a first-time champion. And now flipping the script over to Roanoke's side, Roanoke getting some payback on Peoria, where this season Roanoke went in with higher expectations because of the playoff run that Dan Bremner took his team on the year before. And a lot of those guys back again this year, and, and you had you know, Matt O'Day on defense and you had Mac Jansen and you had Nick Ford and Austin Rodebush was back. And even though Sammy Bernard kind of had the bigger postseason for Roanoke last year, Rodebush, I think came in really with a chip on his shoulder from not necessarily being the playoff ace last year. And obviously had some big performances to help Roanoke get to the finals, but Roanoke has just utilized Rodebush this entire postseason. And he's come up with some big performances, and it's a big reason why Roanoke is in the championship series. So I, I think when you look at Roanoke's case, it's showing it, it's and obviously I think that the legitimacy was already there because they had been to the playoffs before. They um you, you know, when they were a five seed a few years ago in the challenge round, they swept Peoria the year that Birmingham went to the final. Peoria had the best record in the history of the league over the course of a regular season, and Roanoke swept them out of the first round. So they have had postseason success before and obviously coming off of last year. But I think in Roanoke's case, it gives their organization, their fans, it gives them the bragging rights to be able to say, hey, what happened last year wasn't just a fluke where we got hot at the right time and made this Cinderella run as an eight seed. They maintain that level of success. And I remember back in November, it really looked like Roanoke was in control to potentially just go on this massive run and potentially be the number one seed. They At one point early in the year, they really did look like the best team in the league. 
And obviously, things catch up to you over the course of a regular season. You have injuries that you have to deal with. Roanoke dealt with a bunch of call-ups as well, and they maintained that success. And it's not like the, the margins were significant. I mean, Roanoke nearly was able to become the three-seed, and then Birmingham got so hot through March that for Roanoke, they're you know playing a tough schedule, and then they, they have to play so many games against Fayetteville, and Fayetteville is playing like a team with desperation. They were so improved during the second half of the year. So... It's not like Roanoke was taking bad losses, but over the course of 56, 57 games, you're going to take losses. And so Roanoke was taking a few in February and March that prevented them from being able to get a top three seed. But they had home ice advantage, took care of business relatively easily against Evansville. Um, they, they go on to the semifinals where there's this supercharged motivation going into that semifinal series against Peoria, and they end up winning the series in three games. So I think for both of these teams... It's very interesting about the matchup because it both of these teams do a lot of the same things, but their identities don't necessarily reflect that because Birmingham loves to get shots on goal. And Roanoke is so well known for being able to limit what teams are able to do. And so what's funny about that to me is that both teams actually rank pretty high in both categories. Birmingham, in addition to being a team that gets so many shots on goal per game, they do a great job at limiting opponents' chances. And Roanoke, for being a team that is so well-known for limiting shots on goal against over the course of a game, they do a pretty good job at generating shots on goal. So it's it's so interesting to be able to see this. Both teams actually rank in the top three in both categories. So Birmingham, obviously, far and away, leads the league over 37 shots on goal per game. Roanoke is third at over 33. Now, the flip side of that, Roanoke is second in the league in shots allowed at 27. Birmingham is third at 29. Peoria, of course, is the other, is the third team that is in the top three in both of those categories. So those three teams, you know, they limit opportunities. And, and part of it, for, and I think they do it in different ways. Roanoke controls the neutral zone so well, and they're so aggressive on the forecheck. Birmingham has so much speed on the perimeter, and their defensive players are not afraid to contribute offensively and they always want to push the tempo that it makes it difficult for teams to be able to push up the ice to be able to generate shots. So both of these teams accomplish the same goal. They just go about it in different ways. So I think it could be a really fun series, uh, potentially one of the more competitive ones that we've had in a long time. This was a wild stat that I I looked up earlier this week that I I thought was, it, it surprised me, but whether the final series has been best of seven, best of five, or best of three, the President's Cup final series has only gone the distance three times. It's gone to a, it's gone to a game three twice, and it went to a game seven once way back, you know, more than a decade ago. So th- this is a, you know, this is not a, you know typical to see series go the distance, but this one really could go five because both of these teams do so many things so well uh something else that i think is interesting now this is where we see things a little bit differently um roanoke was tied for second in the league in wins when trailing after two periods and that's something that knoxville found out the hard way a lot during the course of the season roanoke is a team that just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming now knoxville uh knoxville also had four wins this season when trailing after two huntsville led the league with six wins uh when trailing after two periods but roanoke had four wins this season when trailing after two periods. Birmingham did not have a single regulation loss all year when leading after two periods. They lost a game in overtime, lost a game in a shootout, but they won 34 of the 36 games 
where they went into the third period leading. Now, they only went 1-3-1 and one in games that they were tied heading into the third period. So that's where it's really different. So Birmingham closes out leads over the final 20 minutes really well. And so if you're basing you know, your, your feel of a game on those numbers alone, then Huntsville tying that game three in the second period before the third period started. They, you know, Birmingham led two to nothing. Huntsville tied it at two. Um, Kyle Clark scored with about three and a half minutes left to go in the second. That changes the outlook of that game significantly based on those numbers. Now, Birmingham ended up ultimately getting the win, but it, it just kind of goes to show how different it was for Birmingham this season when leading after two periods as opposed to being tied after two periods. And then for Roanoke, when it led after two periods, 23-1-1, so significantly fewer games where they led after two periods. But Roanoke was also so good in one-goal games this year. They were 12-3-5 and in one-goal games. And that was something, you know, that really decided the series between Knoxville and Roanoke was so many of Roanoke's wins. Roanoke won the regular season series 8-6, to but a handful of Roanoke's wins were one-goal games. And so being able to win those close games is so important, especially in the postseason. And so Roanoke, on the other hand, when when it was tied after two periods, they went 5-2-3. and three. So a better overall win percentage than Birmingham if a game is tied going into the third period. Now, obviously, you could throw out some of those regular season numbers. You can, you know, understand that playoff hockey is playoff hockey. But just some of these numbers here that I think are, are really, really interesting um, as far as how this whole series could shape out. Um, and I honestly don't really have an idea of who I think is necessarily going to win the series because I think the teams are evenly matched. It really could be a, you know, it's not to say that like Roanoke didn't have a chance against Peoria last year, but I think sometimes whenever you see a quote unquote Cinderella run going up against a top three team, you, you sometimes look at it and think, yeah, you know, if, if I'm having to make a lean, I'm probably leaning Peoria in that series last year. And it, it, you know, but it, it doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes you kind of have an idea of what teams can ultimately take control of a series. But uh, th- that tends to be the case in the SPHL. We normally don't get series that go the distance. Now it, it's a little bit more difficult for this series to go the difference because it's a best of five instead of a best of three. Um, but I, I think that both teams are going to have legitimate chances to win each game. I'd be surprised if it was a sweep either way. Um, I'd be surprised if you saw multiple blowout games now Birmingham style of play they have the ability to to push the tempo where they can score goals in a hurry but Roanoke's done that a bunch of times too it's not necessarily their mo but it doesn't mean they can't do it so if Birmingham tries to turn games into a track meet I don't think Roanoke's going to be uncomfortable or out of sorts doing that so I think it could be a really fun series I, I think it could be uh, very entertaining and potentially the first series that we've had in a long time and just the fourth time ever in the SPHL go to a full five games or the full three, five, seven, whatever that series is. But we've only had three deciding games in the championship series ever. So uh, coming up next, Justin McDonald is going to join the podcast, kind of recap his individual season, everything else that uh, he had going on and, uh, you know, kind of in the lead up to the postseason, And then ultimately his takeaway from that postseason loss to Huntsville in the first round. I'm Joel Silverberg again. Justin McDonald coming up right here on the KIB Podcast. Welcome back to the Knoxville Ice Bears Podcast. Joel Silverberg joined now by Ice Bears Ford, Ice Bears Captain, SPHL MVP, Justin McDonald. J-Mac, congrats on 
all the accolades that you received this year. First off, just your first season in Knoxville, what was kind of the big takeaway that you, you and your teammates kind of went through over the last six or seven months? Um, you know, we went through a lot of adversity, but we had the fans and, you know, the support of the staff behind us the entire time. Um, so, I mean, coming in, I didn't, I always hated playing here uh, against the fans and, you know, smaller rank, they're always on you. So it was nice to be on the other side of things. And, you know, it really helped us, um, you know, even though we didn't, uh, you know, win at all, but it really did give us motivation, you know, hearing the fans, you know, cheer for us, uh, you know, when we score after a big hit or even, you know, just coming out for, you know, the starting lineup. So, I mean, a lot of the, you know, the 10 new players, rookies that uh, were here, I think it was a great first experience for them. And, you know, going to another, you know, team, if they do so later on in their career, uh, you know, they're going to look back and be like, wow, Knoxville was a unbelievable place to play in a hard place uh you know to beat uh you know living and playing in and that's not just a cliche first of all the organization set a record with seven sellouts this year but you guys went seven and zero in those sold out games so there really is something to home ice advantage when the crowd is packing the arena and making a lot of noise oh absolutely you know having you know a big sellout you know you get pumped up you know just walking into the rink uh you know you see people line up you know warm-ups everyone's banging on the glass cheering and whatnot and that really gives you you know an extra little push uh you know to push that much harder during the games and you know it was great that we won in those you know uh, seven sellouts you know keep the fans you know entertained and you know happy and you know clearly they came back so you know ex- I, i'm expecting next year you know you know let's go for 10 sellouts right you know i know the fans will uh, be there supporting us and we appreciate each and every one of them and uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll be back next year ultimately that playoff series against huntsville got off to a good start in game one second period huntsville got things going offensively game two you guys fought back after huntsville did a good job at shutting you all down offensively for about 30 minutes came back took the lead just a couple of tough shots there in the third period that ultimately led to the season being over what what do you think ultimately went sideways for you guys in that first round series um i would say the intensity you know in the four check um they played you know, they shut us down. We barely got any shots in the first game. And, you know, that's going to be their, that was going to be their bread and butter, right? They know who we have, you know, score, who can score, Conger, uh, Dino, um, you know, Wax was heating up. So, I mean, those players, you know, they knew they had to keep it tight in their D zone and not give us the opportunity to shoot because, you know, if we're going to shoot, we're going to score. You know, they did a great job on shutting us down. I mean, uh, that was their game plan all along. Every team has their game plan. Um, you know, we you know fell into a little bit of penalty trouble which you know we've been doing throughout the year but towards the end of the season we really cut back on it and you know unfortunately we slipped a little bit um but you know even game two i mean we did the best that we could we we played i thought great hockey all around uh they just happened to get you know a couple good bounces but you know the third lines on our on our team you know played amazing and you know that's what you know is going to help push us to the next round and you know they did their job you know unfortunately it just was the first and second line that didn't uh you know do what we were supposed to do but um you know third lines you know did a great job goalies did well uh so definitely proud of each and every one of uh the players out there but you know just you know it wasn't our time now Roanoke and Birmingham are, are getting ready for a best of five final series you played 20 games against those two teams this season you went 10 9 and 1 
in those 20 games. Does it almost kind of give you some optimism for next season that if there is a, a large group of players from this roster that comes back next year where there can be a bit of a, hey, why not us type of mentality going into next season? Absolutely. I think a lot of people enjoyed, uh, a lot of players enjoy their first year here, and I expect a lot of them to be back. And, you know, we did play Roanoke and Birmingham a lot. Uh, you know, we did pretty well against uh, Birmingham. Uh, we did okay against Roanoke. Um, I felt Roanoke, you know, it's a hard place to play. Uh, Birmingham, even though, you know, it's a smaller rink and they get a lot of fans as, as well, you know, looking into their stadium, we always played well there. Um, Stetter, I know, stopped like 60 shots one game against Birmingham. Um, but, you know, Birmingham has a lot of offensive talent as well. Um, and Roanoke, you know, just plays that simple, you know, mentality and you know it's working for them and you know um that's what's gonna you know win hockey games and as you're seeing you know they're playing simple they're not you know taking too many penalties you know uh like other teams and you know birmingham shooting the puck and scoring so um both teams i think it's going to be a great finals uh but you know looking back we've beaten both of those teams and there's no reason you know, if we, it could go either way. You know, if we were in the finals right now, you know, we would be confident that we could beat either team because we have. So it's, you know, it's, like I said, it's uh, just one of time. It wasn't our time this year, but next year we expect, uh, you know, to be back in every, uh, back in the pack and, you know, leading it all the way. And, and for you personally, MVP award this year, last year you were the MVP of the Federal League under Coach Clark and then coming to Knoxville and continuing to have all that offensive success. And I, I know that earlier in the postseason you attributed it to the lines mates that you were playing with, but what really what does it mean for you personally to be able to put up the numbers that you did? You were 10 points better than any other player in the league despite missing nearly a dozen games. You're the first player in 15 years to lead the league in both goals and assists in the same season. What you did this season was borderline historical as far as the SPHL is concerned. So what does it mean to you to be able to put up an individual season like that? Uh, it's a great feeling. Uh, you know, we all have our personal goals and, you know, that's definitely one of mine is to, you know, score and, you know, try and get, you know, some assists here and there. Um, and, you know, fortunately, you know, I, like you said, I had great players, but I also... I feel Clark, he always has put me, he knows the type of player I am, and he always puts me in the position to succeed, right? You need coaches that are going to put you in the position to succeed. And, you know, I've been under other coaches where I did not perform as well. And, you know, there's kind of like, okay, well, how come you're performing better under Clark? It's like, well, he knows how to play me, you know, um, Am I going to score or get an assist every game? No. I mean, would I like to? Absolutely. But um, he knows when to put me out there. And, you know, it, it worked for a lot of the time, you know, as you could kind of tell. Um, so, you know, kudos to him and Harry as well, right? Both coaching staff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, next year, um, you know, I'd like to do the same thing, but maybe even do a little more, right? Um, maybe not sit out those, you know, 10, 11 games and, you know, hit the 100-point mark uh, like Kevin Swider or something like that. And having that relationship with Clark, you guys were teammates together, you won a presence, kept together, and I, I don't want to give away too much from a behind-the-scenes standpoint, but Clark, he's got a sense of humor, you've got a sense of humor, bus rides are always fun. That, that, that's got to be a fun coach-player relationship to have on the road. 
It is. It is fun to coach uh, player relationship to have. You want to have a relationship with your coach. Um, you know whether it's you know always professional, always you know friendly. It depends what position you're in. Um, you know it's since we have played together, and I also played with Harry in, in multiple teams. So um, I know exactly how they are. They know exactly how I am. And you know, like you said, when once we finish the game and get on that bus, you know, there's no laughs or anything like that. It's just straight to bed. There's no jokes or anything being told. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, J-Mac, really appreciate the time as always, especially since uh, – and, and I, I guess what was the biggest challenge for you from a mental state doing all these interviews even though you really hate the microphone time? Um, you know, I every time I do an interview, I'm like, this is the last time I'm seeing Joel. And then he pops up next week. Hey, J-Mac, can we do another interview? So I always keep that in the back of my head. This is the last time, last time. And now, you know, I am leaving to go back to Canada. So, Joel, this will be the last time. For this season. <laughs> For this season, yes, yes. Well, J-Mac, congratulations again on a very successful first season in Knoxville for you personally. I know that you would have traded a lot of the accolades for more postseason wins, but here's to bigger and better things for next season. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll see you in October. Thanks, Joel.